And I'm also excited to be here with you today as we continue our series, Led by Fire. So um, we're going to jump into this. This is in Exodus uh, 14, and that's where we're going to be looking today. And uh, really, as we talk about freedom, as you know, Independence Day is, is tomorrow, you, you can think back all the way to 1776 when our, our nation began and the Second Continental Congress unanimously adopted the Declaration of Independence. That was, that was a moment in our country to where now we were free from Great Britain, free from their taxes, free from their oppression, freedom of opportunity, freedom for religion, and just an opportunity for us to become our own nation. And so we're going to be looking at actually a group of people today, the Israelites, as they become their own, as they're now officially freed from the Egyptians once and for all. So again, it's in Exodus chapter 14. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at this chapter. We're actually going to go through the whole chapter. And what I want to do is give you six truths about freedom, six truths about freedom. I believe it's going to encourage you and help you in your faith as we think about this idea of what it truly means to be free. Okay, so Exodus 14, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 here, and then we'll jump into our first point. Okay, so Exodus 14, verse 1 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Harath, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zaphon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. Okay, this first point here, freedom often starts with the impossible. Freedom often starts with the impossible. Okay, to give you a little bit of context, you know, you've been going through this, uh, this story of the Israelites. They've been freed from the Egyptians, and now they're running away from them. They finally had all the plagues, and the Egyptians are like, okay, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you guys anymore. You can go do your own thing. And so they're running away, and um, as they're running away, they're going east. Okay, and uh, as, they're, as they're journeying east, God tells Moses, stop and turn around and go south, okay? So the, the directions that they give, it says, instead of going east, which would have been the right way to go, technically, if you wanted to get away from the Egyptians, you'd want to go east and get out of there. Like, that's the best way. Get on the other side of the Red Sea, go north of it, and go on the other side of the Red Sea. So now you have the Red Sea between you and the Egyptians. But instead, God says, stop where you are. I actually want you to turn around. I want you to go south. And so they're like... Okay, so then they start going south. The problem with that is that now that puts them, the Egyptians are right here, Egypt, and then they're in between the Red Sea and Egypt. That would have been like, that's like the worst thing that you can do, to actually pin yourself between Egypt and the Red Sea. And so as we'll read here in a moment, the uh, Pharaoh is going to get his army together and going to come uh, down and, and attack the uh, Israelites, or at least attempt to. But I can't help but think for a moment, as, as the Israelites are, are wondering, what in the world is God doing? If, if they had any kind of idea of, of geography, they had to think, God, why do you want us to go south? This is like a really bad idea. And maybe for you, you've walked with God some amount of time. Has God ever asked you to do something? You're just like, man, that just does not seem right. This seems completely impossible. Maybe, maybe you've said that word before, like, man, that's impossible. Maybe you've even said that to God, like God wants you to do something. You're like, this is completely impossible. 
You know, it's interesting that, that I was, I got saved, and I'll tell you my story a little bit later, but I got saved when I was 15, and shortly after that, God called me into the ministry, called me to, to preach and become a pastor, and, and what was interesting about that was I was like the most shy person you would ever meet in, back in high school. Like, I would never raise my hand. I would just turn, you know, red, you know, anytime anybody would talk to me. I was just like super introverted, never wanted to talk to anybody, and then God's like, okay, I want you to speak in front of people. Like, no, what are you talking about, God? That's completely impossible. Like, you know, people rather die than go, uh, you know, in public speaking. I mean, you do the stats of things that people are afraid of, like, you know, dying is number two, which is kind of weird. And then number one is public speaking. It's like people rather die than public speaking. I'm like, yes, Lord, I'd rather die than have to get in front of people. But God says, this is what I want you to do. And similarly, in the same way, God's telling the Israelites, I want you to go south. I want you to turn around right where you are. You know, God oftentimes, before we get to freedom, asks us to do something impossible. You know, maybe for you, God might be speaking to your heart about generosity. You know, in a time of inflation, you know, I never thought I'd be in Kansas City, where I'm from. I never thought I'd be so excited about $4.50 a gallon until I came out here and I was like, over $6? What are you people doing? Like, what? My goodness, this is crazy. So, I, I mean, like, in the middle of inflation when everything's expensive, God might be calling you to say, I want you to give anyway. That doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense for us to, to do that. But God calls us to the impossible. Maybe you're in a, in a marriage where it just seems really tough and challenging. Maybe your spouse isn't here today because you're not on the same page with you and God. And, and God's calling you saying, hey, I want you to love I want you to continue to love. Maybe you're looking at the, the marriage and say, but I have loved. I've continued to give. I've continued to be there. And it just seems like there's no kind of progress. God says, I want you to do it again. I want you to keep loving and keep loving and keep loving. And for you, it looks impossible. But God says, I want you to be obedient. And that's really at the heart of what God was calling the, the Israelites to do. He was calling them to simply be obedient. And that's what God calls us to do. If we're going to walk in his freedom, then we have to do what he says. That when he calls us to go south, that when he calls us to do something impossible, when he calls us to do something really difficult, it's stepping out and trusting him and being obedient. Man, I'm so glad that God, uh, that I responded to God's call. And I've watched God do incredible things in, in my life. No doubt for you, you, if you've been walking with God any amount of time, that as you've stepped out and trusted him, God's worked in your life and your heart. You'll never regret obeying God and stepping out and doing the impossible. For the Israelites, they were glad that they did that. So that was the first step for them. They had to step out and be obedient and step into the impossible, which leads to the next step. Okay, I'm going to summarize verses 4 through, uh, 4 through 10 or actually four through nine. And basically Pharaoh is like, wait, what have I done? <laughs> I've let all the slave labor leave. Like who's going to make our bricks? Who's going to build our pyramids that have no functional purpose really? You know, who's going to do all, who's going to build all this stuff for us? I mean, like we need someone to build these things. And so he realizes, man, we got to go back. We got to get the Israelites. And so he gets his army together and he's chasing after the Israelites. And all of a sudden, we're going to pick it up in verse 10. The Israelites now see Pharaoh. Okay, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to die in the desert to die? What have we done to us? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say... 
to you in Egypt? Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. The second one here, second point. Freedom on the outside doesn't equal freedom on the inside. Freedom on the outside doesn't necessarily equal freedom on the inside. You know, what's interesting about what they're saying. They're complaining to Moses. They're afraid. They're complaining to him about like, hey, what in the world? Now we're going to all die out here. Like it would have been just better for us to stay in Egypt. Really? <laughs> it would be better to stay in Egypt. Is that what you is that what you said <laughs> whenever Moses and Aaron came to you and were like, hey, the Lord has has sent us to you to deliver you. He's going to deliver us up out of Egypt. He's going to take the whole Israelite nation. We're going to we're going to go out of Egypt. We're no longer going to be slaves. Remember, do you remember that part? Look, look what it says in Exodus chapter four. OK, so we're going to rewind. We're going to go back and, and see what the Israelites actually said. OK, this is what it says in Exodus four, verse twenty nine. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before them and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord, Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. You see the difference? <laughs> like they were all excited, like, oh, man, we've been praying. We've been asking God to deliver us from this oppression. And, and now you fast forward. Now they're in a panic mode. So like what's what's changed? Like, what's the, the difference? Obviously, there's an army coming against them right now. But what God is trying to work in their, their life is help them to see just because they're out of Egypt doesn't mean that Egypt is out of them. Inside of them, God is working on some things in their hearts. They might be physically out of Egypt, but there's still some things in their, their heart. You know, for, for them, they still were kind of had a, sla a slave mindset. God was trying to show them on the inside, there's some issues, there's some challenges. And man, doesn't that speak to us? <laughs> God can save us. We could be going to heaven. We can have a new life in him. We can have trusted in Jesus. But you know, there's still some things, some issues in our heart and life. Okay. Right now, don't nudge your spouse. Okay. I know your spouse has been maybe telling you for a while. Like, remember that issue I talked to you about last night? <laughs> that preacher man is talking to you about it. <laughs> You know, God, God wants us not just to be on the outward, you know, saved and believe in him, worship him, but he wants us to be transformed on the ins inside. For the Israelites, there were some things that he had to work on with them. For us, there can be some things. For, for them, it was fear. Really, they were just, they were afraid. They were like, hey, I'd rather have the stability of being a slave than have to go out in the desert and then trust God. You know, isn't that kind of crazy to think about? But we can give into that same temptation. Sometimes for, for us, faith can be really hard, can be really, really challenging. I'd rather be a slave to what I know than trust a God that I feel like I don't know. But God wants us to step out in faith and trust him that as he's working on us, he's doing some things in our heart and our lives. For them, they had a fear issue. Maybe for you, there's something going on in your life and God's been putting his finger on it. And he's like, hey, I want you to work on this. Hey, I, I can help you. I, you just trust me. Maybe it could be an, an addiction, some kind of sin, maybe a brokenness from your past that continues to haunt you in your adult life. You know, something from your childhood that continues to, to wreak havoc on your marriage, on your family. And God's like, hey, I want to work on that. I want to help you with that. 
And that, this is your opportunity not to freak out. Because remember, you go back to that moment like, God, I trust you. I love you. I want to serve you. And then now when that issue is coming to the surface, God's bringing it to the surface because he sent an army, so to speak. He sent a situation, a trial, a difficulty. And now all of a sudden these issues start coming to the surface. What will you do with it then? For the Israelites, he wanted them to see, hey, you're still afraid. But you're not a slave anymore. Because if you've got God, you got all you need. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what challenge, you might be broke, you might, you might lose out your job, you might have a challenge in your, your marriage, but if you've got God, you've got all that you need. And the Israelites, they needed to learn that lesson. They needed to know if they had God, they got all that they need. They got everything. It doesn't matter if there's an army in front of me that's against me, it's trying to kill me. I've got God on my side. I'm good. I can trust him. That's what the Israelites had to learn. They had to learn to trust the Lord and they had to look and face the truth in the eyes. For us, this is a, a moment for us to look at our lives and say, God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to help me to see? The Israelites, you're trying to show them and teach them. They still had a, a slave mindset. There's still some issues of fear in their heart that they took from Egypt, though they were physically out of Egypt. God, what are you trying to teach me in this situation, in this circumstance? I feel like, man, I've got an army right in front of me right now. And so, God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to help me to see? It's, it's getting the challenge with the face of truth. That's what they had to see. And this is what happened. This is what happened next. I love this because this is where Moses speaks up. Okay, this is where Moses is a voice of truth. This is Exodus 14, look at it, verse, starting in verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. This third point, freedom requires us to stand firm. Freedom requires us to stand firm. So finally, you have a voice enter the situation. You have the, all the Israelites and all the elders panicking, the same people that said, hey, we're excited the Lord's going to deliver us back in Exodus 4, but now they're panicking because there's an army in front of them. Okay, then you have Moses, the voice of faith, enters in and says, hey, you, all you need to do is to simply stand firm, and God is going to give you freedom. That you, just need to, you just need to do nothing, basically, and just need to sit here and trust, and God is going to give you freedom. I can't help but think of those that have, have served in our, our military, that have fought in wars previous to this and are currently serving. They, I've never served in the, the military, so thankful for all those that have done that. You know, I, I'm an example of someone that I get to receive the benefit of freedom, even though I haven't physically fought for that freedom. I get to stand firm. I get to stand still. I get to reap the benefit of what someone else did. And so the Israelites are in the kind of the same situation to where God is going to give them freedom. All they need to do is stand still, which reminds me of really what Jesus did for us and for our freedom. Like we didn't have to work for it. We didn't have to earn, earn it. In fact, in the Old Testament, we, we tried to do that. Like that's what they tried to do. All, obey all these rules and try to earn favor towards God. But it didn't work because all of us are sinful. All of us make mistakes. All of us do wrong. And so then that's why Jesus came onto the scene. He lived a perfect life. He actually was able to bear our sins for us, our oppression, our slavery. He was able to take upon himself. And because of his death and resurrection, now I get to experience freedom that I didn't work for. All I have to do is trust in him. In fact, this was what uh, 
Uh, Romans chapter four, verse five says, however, to the one who does not work, but trust God or the one who stands firm, the one who just simply trusts, but trust God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. That's talking about the individual that simply trusts in Jesus. As a result of what Jesus did, now we get to experience freedom. You get to experience freedom. I get to experience freedom. Man, that's why we call it the good news. That's why we should be excited because we don't have to earn it. I mean, imagine if we lived in a world, in a situation to where it's like, well, did I do enough good things? Have I done enough nice things? <laughs> have I obeyed enough? God, are you pleased with me? Did I, am I going to make it to heaven? Man, it's not like that. You know, it's simply, it's by faith. You get to receive the free gift of salvation. Jesus is the one that fought for us. And all we have to do is stand firm. Now we get to experience his freedom by simply putting our faith in him. And for the Israelites, that was the same. We get to see this played out in a battle that God is going to fight for them. All they need to do is simply trust. They're challenged with their faith. You know, but this is also true even after you become a Christian. After you put your faith in Jesus, you still face battles. You still face challenges. You still face difficulty. And this is where you get to exercise your faith in those moments. So you have saving faith where you trust in Jesus. Now I get to experience new life in him. I get to be born again. I get to, my sins are forgiven. I get to now walk with God, have, have a relationship with him. But now as I walk with God, there's still these challenges in life. And God wants us to use that same kind of faith that we put in him for salvation to also put into him for whatever situation we're going through to help us through those circumstances. And he says to stand firm. You know, there's sometimes that God will just simply fight for you. And there's nothing else that you can do. You're in an impossible situation. And God simply says, I want to fight for you. I just want you to stand firm. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but like that goes against my nature. Because I, I've, I've learned, you know, if you want something, you got to go get it, right? If you, wanna, if you want something to happen, you got to go, you gotta go out there and do something about it. You don't like how things are, you got to change something. And while oftentimes that's very true, you know, like if you want to change something, then you got to do something about it. There are moments and times when you're facing something that's completely impossible. Like there's nothing that you can do. And it's in those circumstances that God says, I want you to stand firm and just simply Trust me. Maybe you've been through something like that. Maybe right now you're going through something like that. Maybe it's a health diagnosis. You're like, there's nothing you can do. The doctors can't help you. There's no, no medicine that's going to be able to help you. But you know what? God can help you. He, if you just simply trust in him, put your faith in him, your hope in him, don't get discouraged. Maybe today you came to church just to hear that point right there, that if you'll just simply stand firm and trust in God, he will help you. He's going to fight the battle for you. You might have an Egyptian army, so to speak, that you're going up against. You're like, all I've got is a pot and pan I took from Egypt. Like I got nothing else to fight with. And God's like, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to help you. All you need to do is simply stand Firm. That's what the, the Egyptians were coming against them. And the, the Israelites had the opportunity to simply trust in God, to have faith in him, to look to him. So in this moment, their faith was being challenged. God was challenging them to trust in him. I love this Psalm 46.10 says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. There's just sometimes... You just got to know, be still and know that he's God, <laughs> meaning I'm not God. Like I don't have the ability. I don't have the capacity. I don't have, I don't have what it takes. That's okay. 
because the one I've trusted in, my heavenly father, he's got what it takes. He's able to do it. And it's simply us exercising our faith and trusting him. Instead of panicking, instead of worrying, instead of freaking out, like we, sometimes we like to do, like, oh no, this situation, I'm gonna, I'm gonna panic, I'm gonna freak out. Instead of saying, no, 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 I'm gonna be still. I'm gonna simply place my faith in God because he is gonna fight for me. All right, this next one, this fourth one. Freedom is paved with the enemy's failed plans. Let me read that again. Freedom is paved with the enemy's failed plans. Okay, so you know the situation that Pharaoh is now coming after the Israelites. Like, I got to get my slave labor back. Okay, so he's going after them, and he's, like, convinced he's going to get them now, right? He's going to be able to get them back. But ultimately, the plan fails, as we'll read here in just a few minutes. The, the plan doesn't work out. And so he fails, but, but there's something really cool that comes from this. Because his failed attempts show the Israelites something. Like, hey, God actually did fight for us. Like, if the Egyptians had come and, and actually defeated the Israelites and brought them back to Egypt, well, then it didn't matter what, any, what anybody said. It's like, well, now we can't trust God. But that's not what happened. No, the, the Pharaoh came after them. And because Pharaoh came after them, God used that as an opportunity to, to teach the, the Israelites, hey, you can trust me. Like when you put your faith in me, when you stand still, when you let me fight the battle, I'll actually come through for you. Like I'm going to work a miracle in your life, in your situation, in your circumstances, if you'll just simply trust me. And so God uses Pharaoh's failed plans to pave the way for the Israelites to have faith in God. Not only that, but he's also using it as an opportunity for all of Egypt and the rest of the world to know that there's only one God and it's the God of Israel. It's the God of all the universe. And so he's using it as a moment to get glory so that people could come to faith in him outside of the Israelites. So they're going to hear about this story. They're going to hear about the situation that happened in Egypt. And so when they're worshiping their other fake gods, they're going to be like, wait, 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 wait. Maybe, maybe our God's not real. Maybe it's the Maybe it's the Israelite God is the actual God who actually made everything because they only believe in one God and they believe that God made everything. And they say all these other gods aren't real. And like, did you hear what happened to the, the Egyptians? Man, they got they got messed up like <laughs> all the plagues and then they went after him again. It was not a good situation. And so God is using the failed plans of Pharaoh then to pave the way for his glory and for freedom for the Israelites, but also for him to receive glory in all the earth. And this is not unlike what God did in the New Testament with Jesus. So, you know, the story of Judas who betrayed Jesus, the moment before um, Jesus was arrested to be crucified, it says that the Bible says that Satan entered Judas. Okay, so Judas had given in to this plan and said, I, I want, you know, I'm going to betray Jesus for a variety of reasons that won't go into, but he's going to betray Jesus. And so Satan uses this as an opportunity. He's like, hey, we're going to get the son of God. Like, I'm going to be able to defeat the son of God. Like, I got this all figured out. Judas is willing to give into it. I'm going to enter him. I'm going to go now betray Jesus. And so now Satan's plan is starting to be played out, right? He's like, he works in the religious leaders of that day. And so they arrest Jesus. And Jesus is being taken to Calvary on, on top of the hill, being crucified. You can't help but think like, the enemy's rejoicing. All the demons are excited. Like, yeah, it's happening. It's happening. But do you see what's really happening? God is using Satan's failed plan to actually pave the way for our freedom. 
He actually used those circumstances. I can't help but think, but like, man, how disappointed. I wish I could have seen Satan's face. I don't even know what it looked like. I don't know if he's in the pitchfork thing or like how that actually works or if he's just kind of black blob or, or what. But I'd love to see like all of a sudden when Jesus starts raising from the dead, like, oh, no, like probably got big old eyes, you know, and, and it's probably like, oh, no, this this failed. This didn't work out. I actually assisted God in accomplishing the freedom of all mankind. Oh, no, what have I done? I just kind of think, like, Satan must not be super smart. I do know that. Like, he just couldn't, probably doesn't think things through very, very well. But you got to think about this also happens in our own lives. And it's a change of perspective. So this is what God was wanting to do with the Israelites. Help them change their perspective. That whenever you're faced with something difficult in life, whether it's a, you know, a, a health diagnosis, whether it's something with finances, with something with your marriage, something with your child, whatever it might be. Whenever you're faced with that, it could be an attack of the enemy or it just might be life. But for you to change your perspective and say, you know what, God can use this situation and turn it around for good. That even if this is the enemy trying to discourage me, even if this is, you know, Satan trying to get at me, you know what? God did this to Satan right here in, in, in this story that we're reading, also with Jesus, and many times over, to where he'll take those plans and he'll actually pave the way for my freedom, that I could actually be free from this situation, even if the enemy meant it for harm, man, God can turn it around for good. That's what God's able to do. He can work all things together for good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's what Romans chapter 8, 28 says. I'll read it to you. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Doesn't mean all things are good, right? You, you lived any amount of time, you know, there's bad things. That has, any, has anybody just by a show of hands, something bad has happened to you in your lifetime? Just let me see your hands. Okay. Okay. We got, there's a few people that nothing's bad has happened to you. Okay. You, wow. You're lucky. Okay. Um, but most of us, something bad has happened in your life. You know what? If we just change our perspective and say, God, how can you use this bad situation? Like no one wants those things, but how can you use this situation? God, what are you, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to do in my life? What are you trying to do in my family? Like what, what are you trying to accomplish? And then all of a sudden God says, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I want to do right there. I'm going to actually turn this around, what the enemy's meaning for harm. I'm going to turn around for good. I'm going to turn around for your blessing, for your help. But you got to change your perspective. you got to know that I'm working. I'm doing something. I'm going to help you. And for the Israelites, they had to see it like that. That actually God is the one that turned Pharaoh around. Because they, they, he, he told them, he told Israelites to turn around. And then remember, we read it, that Pharaoh's going to think, oh, they're lost in the wilderness. So this tempted Pharaoh to go out and attack them. So this is all orchestrated by God. But God did it so that he could defeat Pharaoh and his, his army and to show the Israelites, see, you just need to trust me. This is going to be a failed plan on the enemy's part, and I'm going to use it for your freedom. You just simply need to trust me and change your perspective. That's what God did for the Israelites, and that's what he wants to do for us. Okay, so this next, next point here, we'll start in verse 19. This is what it says. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of the Israelite, or the Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, okay, remember that phrase, throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other. So neither went near the other all night long. All right, this, this fifth point. This fifth point is freedom always has throughout the night moments. Always has throughout the night moment, moments. You know, it's easy to read these stories and um, 
just look at them and, and be like, at least for me, like I can read these stories like, man, what? why did you have faith? Like, why did you just trust God? Like God's going to work it out. But it's easy for me to say that because I could just read the whole story in like a couple minutes. Right. I know how it goes all the way through. But the reality is it usually plays out over hours, days, weeks, months, even years, decades of time that you read these stories in just a few minutes. But it's really playing out over a long period of time. You know, I love this because because from the from the Israelites standpoint, their viewpoint, they were they were like, what is God? What is God doing? Like, OK, so so this cl- this cloud thing, you know, is, is coming in between the Israel's army because they remember they, they're getting ready. They're going to try to do their best to fight. They got their pots and pans. That's probably all they had, you know, and then you have a legit army, the Egyptians. And God's like, no, no. Then we're going we're gonna to place this pillar between you guys. I'm going to put light on the Israelite side and darkness on, on your side. So no one's going to pass all night long. So throughout the night, nothing's going to happen. I couldn't help but when I read this, I just thought about the Israelites. I'm like, I wonder what they were thinking. Like, God, what, what exactly are you doing? Like, what did they do all night? Just like play chess? Like, what, you know, like, did they... Did they just hang out, have a barbecue or something? You know, like, what did, what did they do? And I'm sure they were scared. I'm sure they were worried. But they were probably looking to God being like, God, what exactly are you doing? Like, are you just going to have this cloud thing here all for the rest of forever? And we're just going to, like, stare at each other? Because remember, they, the, neither passed. There was just like, no one was going to pass to the other side. No, there's going to be no fighting. Okay, God, it was like God was a good parent, you know, between two siblings. Like, no, no fighting. Separate the, the siblings from each other. I mean, what, what, what was God up to? Have you ever been in a situation like that where you just feel like, okay, God, I could, I could sense you moving. You've given me a word. You've given me a promise. You, you told me, you know, I was worshiping in a service. I felt like, you, God, you're going to provide for us. <sighs> that was a while ago. Like, I'm just, I'm just waiting. Remember, it says throughout the night. Sometimes on your way to freedom, sometimes on your way to an answer for God coming through, there's these throughout the night moments. There's this waiting period. There's just this time of just doing nothing. He's <laughs> like, God, you're just, you're not doing anything. But the reality is God is doing something. From the, the Israelites' viewpoint, it might seem like they're not, do- he's not doing anything, but he is doing something. One, he's protecting on the one side, right? So the, the cloud is protecting them. The pillar, the darkness, the light is protecting them from the Egyptian army. But on the other side, God is preparing I'm going to pull a verse from this, this last point that we'll, we'll talk about here in just a second. But verse 21 says this. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. So this is, you know, usually what I picture is, is Moses like in my head. And maybe it was, I don't know, um, the Disney movie that did the, the whole Exodus story. But I was just picture Moses taking the staff and going like this and the water going, whoosh, you know, and then they just march on through. Like, that's what I always picture it being. But that's not actually what happened. Moses did the little, you know, waved it over the sea and then nothing happened. <laughs> like it's, He's just chilling. And then but what happens all night long is it says that God sent a wind and then the wind starts blowing and so maybe it's, you know, 11 o'clock at night and they start feeling a breeze. You know, no one's passing from one army to the other. They're just chilling like, what's God doing? Man, man it's getting kind of windy out here. Like, 
And things are, and they start looking at the sea at 2 a.m. It's like, man, is the sea changing? Like, it seems like it's doing something different because that's what's behind them. And so they start to turn around and realize, man, it's not like the wind is starting to change the sea. It's getting so windy. Then at 4 a.m. or whatever time it was, they start to realize, man, there's dry ground appearing. Like, we're going to be able to get out of here. We're going to be able to escape. Oftentimes, that's what God's doing. He's protecting on the one side, but he's also preparing a way for you as you move forward. Now, I love the song that we sang today, that he's a way maker. And your situation is, doesn't always just happen like that. In fact, most of the times, it doesn't just happen like that. I mean, could God just instantly, you know, solve every problem? He could, but he's giving us opportunity to trust him. He's giving us opportunity in the middle of the, the waiting to simply say, God, I believe in you. That's what God wanted to do for the Israelites That's what God wants to do for us. It's this challenge to be patient because before freedom comes patience. All right, let me just read this last part to you. And here's the the sixth point. Then we'll close. It says this in verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all uh, all that night the Lord drove back the sea back with the east wind and turned it into dry ground. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them and all the the Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their, their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea as the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. Moses stretched out over his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Egyptian or the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. Verse 31, and when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. The sixth point, this last one here, freedom is found when we put our faith in the Lord. You know, this really is a, this is really, you could sum up this whole message with that. It's just every step along the way, it's, it's this moment of trust. When, when God is, is showing you something impossible, tur- turn around, do something way out of your control and say, okay, I, I trust you. When he says, hey, I want you to look inward. There's some things inside your life. There's some truth I'm going to bring to the surface of, about who you are and I need you to, to trust me. Whatever aspect it is about this idea of freedom, it's, it's, it's simply trusting him. Trusting him in the waiting when you're just like, God, what are, what are you doing? What are you, what are you up to? It's putting your faith in him, certainly from the beginning and putting your hope in him for salvation, but it's also as you walk with him and serve him and honor him, it's simply trusting him. You know, my story is I, I when I was 15, I gave my life to, to Jesus and then he totally transformed my life. I got radically saved. I was a knucklehead in junior high, really um, a bad mamma jamma. <laughs> I, was, I was not doing some good things, but God came and he saved me and he did a miracle in my life, forgave me of my sins. And my life hasn't been perfect, but the direction of my life has been toward the Lord 
and he's worked in me and he's helped me, but it's been faith all along the way. It's just simply trusting in him. And if I could just encourage you with anything today, no matter what you're facing, no matter where you find yourself in your life right now, the answer is simply to trust in the Lord. That's what he wants us to do. He put us here on earth to see if, and this is what Acts chapter 17 says, to, that he placed us here on this earth to see if we would search after him, like go after him. Like in the middle of all the things that you're doing with your life, and God's probably like, yeah, that's awesome that you're doing that with your career, you've got a family, all that's great. But he wants to make sure that in the middle of that, that you seek him and put your trust and hope in him. And as you do that, not only will you become a child of God, but then also you put a smile on his face. And, and this is what I love about faith. This is what I love about trusting the Lord. It brings about freedom in your own life. It brings about this, this freedom of not having to strive, not having to work, not having to just, okay, what now, what standard do I have to reach now? It's just simply trusting in him. And as, as you trust him, he works with you. He, he walks with you. He has compassion on you. He, he helps you. That's what God wants to do in your own life today. You could be, you know, we could live in a country, let's say it wasn't America, it was a very oppressive country, but you could have freedom on the inside. That's the ultimate freedom. Great, we could have it on the outside. That's wonderful, that's awesome. But the ultimate freedom that you want is freedom on the inside, freedom for your soul, knowing that you're a child of God, that you're forgiven. I wanna take an opportunity, I wanna pray for you today. Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you have a plan and purpose for our lives, that there's freedom, there's an opportunity for freedom. And so Lord, we just place our faith, our trust, our hope in you, believing for that. Lord, I pray for every single person in this place that maybe they're facing something way beyond themselves. It's an impossible. They've got an army in front of them, so to speak. God, I pray that you would encourage them today. Show them that you haven't forsaken them, you haven't left them, that you're protecting them on the one side and you're preparing on the other. And Lord, I pray that you give that person just perseverance and patience today. Give them hope today. Give them strength today. Lord, I pray for anybody that hasn't committed their life to you. Lord, today I pray that they would, that they would find faith in you and trust in you. And God, we just give you this day. We thank you for the freedom that you've given us in this country. But more than that, we thank you for the freedom that we experience as children of God. So Lord, we just take a moment here. We're going to worship you and honor you. We love you, Lord. Praise in Jesus' name.